Good morning, good morning. It's great to see all of you today. Man, I'm running up here. I, I, I really got into that worship moment. Uh, I, I'm serious. I really got into it. And so, I mean, I'm in the prayer room just with my hands up, just worshiping God. And I totally forgot that I, I'm the guy that has to come up and preach. So, and here's, here's the thing that maybe we can all learn from this other than good timing um, is, uh, is that it, if you're here for the preaching, you're here for the wrong thing. You really are. Um, if you're here for God, it starts with the worship. Okay, so let me just, that's where it starts. So I don't know, it probably even started with the golf cart ride on the way in. So let me encourage you, don't limit what God can do here by, by putting the burden on, on my back to try to make this good for you, because uh, that ain't going to happen. Um, it starts with God and worshiping God. Well, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm excited today. Please excuse me, but I'm really excited because uh, it's raining outside, it's cold, so you're pretty much stuck here. I know you got no better options. Okay, so, um, but I had a sermon ready to go. I was working on it. And Friday at 4.30, it all just got ruined, okay? And the reason why I'm telling you this is that sometimes, I mean, Scripture says, study to show thyself approve a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's my responsibility as a pastor, that, so I, I lay out what I think, hey, this will be good. This, will, this, is, this is God's word in season and out of season. Let's just do this. But about on Friday, I'm like, no, God was talking to my heart because I've been asking him to do that. And we've been talking about that as a church, that God would speak to our hearts. And it's like, no, that's the wrong one. That's, that's not for today. And so, um, so, I mean, just like that, he gave me what was for today. So I am excited because that means that you're not wasting your time. That means that God has heard your heart, has seen your needs, see where you are in your life, and he's already responded, and he's ready to speak into your life today. So just, just look for it. You know, just be like a fisherman looking in the water, looking for that ripple, looking for that fish movement, looking for that reed to, to move as the fish goes through it, because that moment is for you today, and God's going to speak to your heart. So we've been talking about the real stimulus package of the Holy Spirit yeah, and, and I thought this kind of funny, Holy Spirit. I, I, how many of you were raised Catholic? Yeah, I think, I'm not sure, but I think some of us were raised Holy Ghost. Some of us were raised Holy Spirit. I, I don't know which way it, it goes. But uh, I think it's Catholics are Holy Ghosters, aren't they? Aren't you? Yeah, I think we were Holy Ghosters. So let me just tell you, um, it, it's, the, it's the exact same person. If you're wondering why don't we say ghost, it's the same person, same idea. It's talking about the spirit of God, the very presence of God, the, the, the soul, the life-giving power of God, the person of God moving into our lives. And we've discovered that, that God wants to give us this stimulus package. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit, as he promised in the book of Acts, that he would pour out in his spirit on all people that would follow after him that would enter into relationship with him, that he would empower us if we were desiring to be used by God and to experience his kingdom here on good old planet Earth. So the Old Testament gives us a beautiful picture of the need for the power and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. And this was the story that God gave me. I didn't want to use it because I, I use this guy a lot, you know, uh, he's kind of like in my wheelhouse. He's um, somebody I've talked about a lot because I identify with him personally. 
I mean, this is somebody that if you were to say, if you were a Bible hero or a Bible character, who would you be? And I know that this is exactly who I'd be. So we go back to a time when Israel's economy was weak. The nation was experiencing numerous defeats and losses because of their compromise as a nation and a people. And the land that was touted as flowing with milk and honey was beginning to dry up, okay? It was just beginning to dry up. And that which hadn't dried up was now being consumed by the enemies of the nation of Israel. And this really defines where we are, not only nationally, but maybe even in our personal lives, that there's been a drying up. And that drying up may be our expectation of God. It may be not seeing the works of God in our lives, though they have been promised to us. And maybe the enemy of all kinds, whether it's the the cultural enemy, whether it's the enemy that lurks in the spiritual realm, whether it's just habits of the mind, begins to steal away the promise of that, that milk and honey experience that God called us into. So this story is perfect for us. We pick it up in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash. It's a tree. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now I've read this story a thousand times and I may have preached on it um, 500 times. But in none of those times did some of the principles that we're going to look at today ever jump out at me. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Spirit of God, is that he can lead you beyond the recollection of your mind, beyond study, beyond what you think you know, and the limits of what can be known. And the Spirit of God begins to do that work here. So basically, we're told that he is, he is beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. You can just say it this way. Gideon is doing an outside job inside because he's afraid. I tried to find a video clip on YouTube. Apparently, nobody's done this. Um, I wanted a video clip of a law- guy who had taken a lawnmower and brought it into his house and maybe riding it around the house. I mean, I because I, mean, I just wanted to get you to feel the absurdity of the moment that Gideon is, is in at this particular moment. He's doing an outside job inside. And sometimes when we experience pressure, challenges to our life of all kinds, it begins to make us do, do normal things differently. It begins to compress us. It begins to alter how we go about things. See, basically, he's living the quarantined life. I didn't even notice that before. But he's quarantined. Life gets to him, and it begins to just compress who he is, and it begins to box him in. I tried to get Mandy to come up and do some pantomime for us to kind of show you a little box thing, and, and I actually took a course in pantomime in, in college. And you said, wait a minute, you dropped out three times? You couldn't finish pantomime? Uh, you know, I just refused to. I just, just wouldn't do it. But, uh, you know, the whole idea that these walls begin to develop in our own personal lives And we begin to allow experiences to shrink us in, to begin the outside life. And the outside life is not out there in nature, but is the expanse of potential. That's what doing work outside is. 
is the idea that, well, I can go there, I can go there, I can plant there, I can reap there. But see, what happens to Gideon is that all that potential represented by the outside world is now shrunk, and he's now defined by the dysfunction of an inside world life because he's allowed certain things to come in and pressure him into small spaces. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, I would prefer you don't, but anybody feel like you've been pressured into a small space? You know, that small space may be um, what you can physically do, where you can go to store, where you can go to school, where you, I mean, or it could be a small space in your mind, your expectation level. Maybe you're in a small space with anger. I mean, uh, potentiality is, is shrunk down and reduced. And that's what's happening to Gideon. There's hiding. There, he's afraid. It's being less open, less bold, shrinking your influence. Limiting your purpose and progress. Doing the right things, but doing them the wrong way. It's a life of settling. It's a life of surviving. Um, it's living, but it's not living with fulfillment. You know, I've recently been experiencing this challenge, and, and I felt like things were beginning to shrink me in my life. You know, the, I talk about the, you know, how the church flooded, you know, and we're the church that floods, and I got to... I think I got to meet on Tuesday with city engineers and some of the design architects for how we're going to fix this whole area. And so, um, uh, but it's kind of like, okay, that kind of pushed you in here. And then economics begins to do that. And, but I, I, I was telling Susan, I was thinking, because I've been, it's been like two weeks of not feeling well, you know, um, and I, I thank you for your prayers. Uh, you know, about my throat and thyroid. I don't have a growth in my throat. My thyroid is, is you know, it's got its things, but it's going to be fine, you know. You know, it's funny, the doctor said to me, I really, really thought he was a great doctor. He's, he said to me, yeah, you got some growth on there. And he said, yeah, people have things like that. And uh, he said, but, you know, and it really turned out to be really bad. And he said, and after all, you're a man of faith. And I was like, oh, me? You know, I was like, oh. It's like, and then it made me realize, am I really? And it's like, no, I'm a man of profession, but I, am I really a man of faith? And I began to think about, whoa, you know, talk about being shrunk down into small spaces, you know, and then just kind of reducing. And so, you know, then I had to go through the intestine guy because I've been having problems with my intestines. I mean, you can see that in, two, in one week you're having two problems in two different sections. And even the doctor with my intestines said, oh, you don't have a gallbladder and you have half a colon. He goes, you've got a really interesting situation here. You know, it's like, I don't want you to say I'm interesting. I want you to say, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. You know, but it, it, so I, I told Susan, and I was up in the middle of the night, and I said, I refuse to be in the place where I'm at. She said, what are you at? She said, I, I, I said, I'm too afraid to die, but I'm too intimidated by my body to live. I'm like, this is the worst place in the world to be. I, I, I mean, it's just like I'm miserable. And I just decided, it's like, oh, no, no, no. No, there is not a part of my body that has the authority to determine when I die. Okay, there isn't. When I die is precious to God. And how I live is precious to God. And both of them have a calling and a promise attached to it. So to begin to think that one of my body parts is going to determine the outcome of my life, Paul, don't get stuck in that little place. Now, let's take it out of, away from me. 
Maybe your marriage has done the exact same thing to you. Maybe your spouse, you focus all your attention on your spouse, on how he's a doofus, and, and you know he's just not fulfilling your life, and it's not working out, and you've allowed the situation of your marriage to just and just shrink you down. I wish I had that clip from Lord of the Rings when the ring race gets all of a sudden, yeah, do you remember that part? Okay, I hope somebody else has seen that part of the Return of the King when he all of a sudden goes, gets shrunk down into a little place. And that's what happens to Gideon. And what God wants to do is begin to expand us and to bring us out of that place. So I hope maybe I'm, I'm identifying a little bit of who you are and where you are right now. And then maybe it's not illness for you. Maybe, it's, maybe you have a great marriage. But maybe your personality is a little bit harsher than it was. Maybe your temper is a little bit too raw. I, 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 wanted, I told Ricky I wanted to come up with an illustration that showed the inside of my mouth. You didn't want to, you think that'd be a bad illustration? I, I mean, I usually don't get responses that fast, but I appreciate it. It's the first time back. Okay, so let's, go, let's give it up for Pat. Yeah. <laughs> but the inside of my mouth, and, and I, what I wanted to do was to, like a picture of my teeth looking down, and so you'd see my teeth. And, and I, I, I was telling him, and I just want to put like the F word like right next to this little, this canine right here or whatever this thing's called right here inside. So they all kinds of names. And, and he said, why do you want to do that? I said, because I feel like it's so close to my lips over the last year. It's like I'm not storing it in the back of my mind. It's right there. It can't wait for you to cut me off in traffic. And it's like, well, what is that? Why am I so quick to get angry? It's like getting compressed. All of a sudden, things begin to get reduced in your life. Have I gotten any closer to anybody else? You know what is great about the description that we're being given by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is that you're going to find out that God was not excited about seeing people live that way either. So God's not excited about how we're living as a nation, as a people, as his children. That he's, he's looking at us as the Gideons of the world, and he's like, yeah, that's not the way I want my boy to be living. That's not the way that I want their marriage to be going. That's not the way I want my daughter to, to be experiencing life. So he wants us to collaborate. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Part I never noticed is, is that Gideon is talking as if God is not in the room. You know, he's talking about God like in the, like, I don't know, I know there's different parts and a third person type thing, but, but he's, he's, like, he's like, please, Lord, if the Lord's with us, it's like, dude, um, you know he's in the room. You know you're talking to him. But he talks as if God is not in the room. And God just kind of opened that up into my mind and said, Paul, you're living like I'm not in your room. You're talking like, you know, you believe in me, but you don't really act like I'm like right there. 
You're talking about me as if I'm not in the room. And I love Gideon's question to God because it's gutsy, it's raw, and it's honest. He says, if the Lord's with us, and he probably had a little bit of a snarkiness to him, since the Lord's with us, then where are all the miracles? Where are all the stuff? Where's all this, this power, this, all the things that we've come to expect out of life? And, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's a fair question. It really is a fair question. Shouldn't God's presence have an impact on the outcome of something in your life? Or at least how you live with the difficulty in your life? Isn't that a fair question? You know, um, it's... If God be for us, who can be against us? Isn't it fair to expect, if God is with us, that it should change the outcome, or at least it should change how we live with difficulty in our lives? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. And I think God is like, duh, that's why I'm here, because you're acting like I'm not in the room. You're not even talking to me. But you're talking about me. And I really think that God wants to challenge us about all this talk about God, as if he's not even in the room. And we're not talking to God. We're talking about situations. We're talking about, you know, we're asking our questions of God. But it's like, but dude, I'm, I'm right here. Why are you acting like I'm not here? So I would say the answer to the question is that, that whoa, that's nice. Oh, man, I love it when stuff like this happens. Um, yeah, so um, that is just a transformer on the street. It happens all the time during the week. You guys don't get to experience it. So just, uh, it's just a confirmation of the Lord that I'm spot on today, okay? Uh, so I, so I, love, I love Gideon's question. It's gutsy and it's raw. And let's admit it. Let's just get past this. You've asked this question, or you wish you had the guts to ask this question. If God's with me, then why isn't things working out? Why isn't marriage a little bit better? Why aren't my, me and my kids working out better? Why is things going on in America the way that it's going on? Things should be different. But that's not what the problem is. You see, if I was God, I would have easily responded to all of Job's complaining questions, I would have responded with my own question. Oh, really, Gideon? You want to ask me where I am? Well, how me? And so I took Gideon's question and I reconstructed it from God's perspective. Well, if my people were walking with me, then why did they stop following? And where is all the faithful and obedient men and women of God that you heard in the exact same stories that you're complaining aren't happening anymore? He could have turned around and said, you want to blame me? Well, I'm telling you, you're not operating the same way. But he doesn't, doesn't he? He doesn't do it. He just, he, he goes a different direction with it through his grace and through his love. This week I was purchasing, stimulus check, uh, I was purchasing, purchasing a small above-ground pool for the grandkids and if, if you're moving into grandparent period of your life, that it's, it's, it's being tricksy. It really is. What you do is you, you get yourself an above-ground pool or a go-kart 
or some other device that your grandkids like. Particularly target the oldest grandchild because they tend to sway the parents the most. And, and if you want to get them, you get something for them. Now, I normally could go get myself a lift kit for my 4x4 and have done that. And it was like, no, 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 no that's not what I'm doing. I'm going, to put it, I'm going to put it in an above-ground pool so that they will come to my house. So I was purchasing this small pool, and there was a little contract in, in it. And um, there were, it's interesting that there were some install and product loopholes. And they were actually on the terms of agreement called Acts of God. You've probably heard them before. And it was like, and if the pool tears based upon, you know, like a worm coming up and eating through here, it's an act of God. If, it, if the pool tears because of a certain weed that grows up from underneath and, and does this, it's, it's an act of God. And so he goes through all these different things and he's, and he's trying to, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the salesperson is trying to, and then I, in the middle of it, I said, so basically what you're telling me, if I'm not happy with my pool and if my pool fails me, it's God's fault. And she laughed. And I was like, no, I'm being serious. You're trying to communicate to me that my, the outcome that I have with my pool is totally God's fault if it's not good. See, that's the direction that Gideon has gone. And that's the direction a lot of us have gone. If America's in a bad place, well, it's because of God. If my marriage isn't in a good place, it's because of God. You know, if, 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 if things are going on financially or physically in my life, it's because of God. And it's like, like God's going to get blamed if we don't live the fulfilled life. And God wants to challenge that today. There's a part in this story and in the Christian story and in our own personal lives when the relationship with God is supposed to go beyond grace. It's supposed to go to grace-infused collaboration. See, we want to stay in a place of grace. Well, if my life's going to be good, it's because God made it good. And that's true. But God is saying, listen, Gideon, all those stories were true about in the past. And I am with you. But if it's going to get better now, it's time for you to collaborate with me. And that's where we are being called as a church is to collaborate with the Holy Spirit and to begin to respond to the call of God. If you're sitting in your, in your little shrunken tin can of a world and, and you're just waiting on God to fix everything for you, grace does not just fix everything for you. Grace is the space that, and the empowerment so that you can begin to have an infused collaboration with God. Otherwise, a lot of us are just like, well, life sucks. And if God's God, why doesn't he fix it? And God's like, oh, really? You're gonna, that's the dialogue we're going to have? Because you know I could complain about you because you haven't been faithful and you haven't been obedient and you haven't been strong. And I found most of you scared like your pastor. I found most of you hiding. I found most of you shrunken and no longer space. But you know what? God never says that to us. God just says to Gideon, come on, let's go outside and play again. Let's get out of this space. Let's go to something else, and I will empower you outside of this space. Most of us want a God solution that only involves the acts of God, not the responsibility. I love what Paul Tripp said. 
He said, faith is about measuring your potential, not on the basis of your natural gifts and experience, but in the surety of God's promises, presence, and empowerment. That's how you measure your life, based upon the, the promises, the presence, and the um, empowerment of God. For some reason, we, we kind of lost sight of that, as if God wasn't in the room. We talk about our lives, our spouses, our children, our finances, our country, as if God's no longer in the room. <laughs> I mean, I, this just comes, it's like when I'm in there with a the doctor and he says, ah, you know, and he pokes over here and it's like, I, I really act like God and, I mean, me and the doctor are the only people in the room. And it's like, I think God's chuckling every time my tongue gets pushed down with a, a, a suppressor and, and then I get told to, <coughs> You know, a couple of times, God's just like, oh, that's so funny, you know, and it was good medicine, but it's like, dude, do you know I'm in the room? Did you pray before walking into that room? Did you pray before, let me be honest with you, did you pray before you took your Tylenol? Did you pray before you, you went to MM, a WebMD to figure out what was wrong with you? Did you pray before you, you called somebody? Did you, did you remember that I am in your room? And so what? Uh, that's what God's doing with Gideon. He's like, dude, I, I'm with you. I'm, um, I'm here to call you out. So this is what God's doing. Now listen to what the rest of the text is. And yeah, there's people moving around. They're just trying to make a better. But please, I don't give a flip about any of it. Um, and so just let them do what they're doing. Don't worry. They're just, okay, let me just tell you what they're doing so you can get over it. Uh, they're going to light it up so that I can look prettier so that the camera will catch me on the internet. That's all that's going on. Okay, that's it, all right? Don't let technical difficulties shrink you out of this moment with God, okay? And the reason why I'm telling you this is because I'm more ADD than any person in this room. I've been tested and stamped. I got a tattoo on my butt that says that I am ADD certified. So if anybody can get distracted, I can but I refuse to be put in that space. And this is the kind of vigor God wants to restore to his church. I'm just the biggest coward as any of you. You think being professional makes me unafraid? You know, you think God's evaluating Gideon based upon Gideon? Even Gideon shocked what God says about Gideon. But listen to what God says. And the Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, and I'm gonna read this in the American English today, 2021, March 21st, COVID-19 version that I made up. Lord, please. See, please, Lord, sounds better, but I don't think that's the way he said it. I'd be, all of a sudden, God says, now go and defeat Midian in your might, and I will be with you. And God's like, Lord, really? Please. Please. You're obviously not paying attention to what's going on in America. You're obviously not looking at my MRI. You're obviously not living with the man that I'm living with or the, the wife that I'm living with or, the, or in the financial situation that I... So he's just like, 
oh, come on. Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Benjamin was already the smallest tribe. Now we got the smallest now we got the smallest, what's the next thing? The, the smallest clan, and now we got the smallest guy in the smallest clan. I mean, his can got small fast. And I think we found out in America in 18 months how small your can can get real fast, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how what happened? It, gets, it can get shrunk real fast. But the Lord says to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Now, I don't want you to overgeneralize that phrase, that I will be with you or the Lord is with you. See, you may think that the Lord is everywhere and God is with everyone. I think most people probably have that mentality, kind of an avatarish type of thing that, that God's everywhere. And and um, that since God is, God is everywhere, then God is with me. And well, technically, in one way, yes. Okay? There's one way that I'm right now with my wife. But there are other ways for me to use the phrase, I am with my wife. So don't overgeneralize when you hear something out of the scripture that says, well, God's going to be with you. No, 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 no. That's not what God's offering uh, Gideon, he's like, no, dude, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be connected to you. It is implying that God is going to empower him, that God is for him, that God is calling him, and that he's calling him to defeat what is causing him to hide. Isn't it funny? The Gideonites, Midianites kind of got him to run into this can, and now God says, let's get out of this can and let's Whatever it is that puts you in this can, I want you to attack it. And too many of us are letting things put us in cans, and God says, it's time for you to attack that. You know, it's time for you to go after that fear. It's time for you to go after that intimidation, that thing that speaks into your life. And we're going to go after it. But, but you need to realize that there is a promise that God gives to his people, to his children, not to the world, this is not some universal God is everywhere. No, this is, hey, dude, not them. I'm not, when I say I'm with you, I'm, I'm not with them, and I'm, I'm not with them, and I'm not with them, I, I'm with you. And matter of fact, I'm going to be with you. I want you to go get them, okay? I mean, it's like, what? I thought we were all God's children. <laughs> it's not in the Bible, we're not all gods. To as many as receive Christ, he gives the power to become the sons and daughters of the living God. What are we until that? Um, before then, no, we're just the creation of God. We're image bearers of God, but we're not God's children. Now, that may be a wake-up call for you. But once you become a child of God, your expectation of the presence of God should change. You should expect things to be different in your life. I mean, there is a benefit to being a child of God. And so he says to Gideon, he says, I will be with you. God calls him a mighty man of valor, not because of Gideon's natural strength and courage, but because what Gideon will be able to do if he welcomes the Holy Spirit of God and begins to talk like God is in the room and that he's talking to God. And I think that's the message for today, is that we need to start talking to God 
and not just acting like he's not in the room. There's more in this room than circumstances. There's more in this room than bad intestines. There's more in this room than, than, than rotten marriages. There's more in this room than Republicans and Democrats. You know, but it, it's God said, I will be with you. So start, stop talking over there and start talking to me. So have you, is God with you in your marriage? I mean, really with you. Husbands, is God with you? Not in that general sense, but in the intimate sense. Has he got your back? Is he your posse? Is, you, is he your entourage? You know? I mean, is he? If you're not in Christ, he's not. Let me just tell you. I hate to give you the bad news, but that's the bad news. If you're not in Christ, you do not have God. God does not have your back. He'd like to. You know, he, he wants to. But the promise of causing all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his purposes is a context of relationship. It's like, yeah. And all I had to realize was all this time he's been with me and I've been talking to this person and that person and that doctor and that situation and that flood guy and that guy. And it's like, and I've been going from place to place to place. Like, and God's like, hey, dude, you know, I'm in the room. You know, I hear you talking about me but I don't hear you talking to me. So, wife, I know you can call your sister because that's usually how it rolls because this, the sister relationship is one of the greatest relationships on the planet and you can, you can talk about your husband all day long. But have you invited God into the conversation? Are you, are you walking with God? Is God with you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your in your life, in your, in, in your vision for your life. See, God says, I will be with you, mighty man of valor, and we're going to go do this. But I want you to realize something, that this is a proposition from God that Gideon can partner with or he can reject. God's not saying, hey, Gideon, you're going to do, don't misread it. It's not saying this, you are predestined by God against your will, and you're going to go fight the Gideonites. No, that's not what's being said. He's like, hey, dude, this is how life could be. You want some? You know? He's like, this is, this is what could be. Now, you go back and do your outside work on the inside, but, you know, but I'm offering you this. This is a proposition that Gideon can turn down. Or it's something that Gideon can accept. And, and, and it's a proposition. The power of the Holy Spirit, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the, the calling of the Holy Spirit in your life is a proposition being offered to every one of us here today. And here's the thing. You can walk out of here and, and, and not do it. And you could just decide that you're not going to do it. Or you could. God's outcome, but our collaboration. I, I love the word collaboration. I don't know if I got it in the notes there, but... Notice the word. It's co-laboration. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. It's just built into that. It's just co-laboration. That's what, that's what it is to be invited by God, to have the Holy Spirit in your life, and to be empowered with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you think God could, could uh, fix the earth all by himself, fix people all by himself, uh, get us all to heaven all by himself? Oh, yeah. It's not the, it's not the biblical plan, though. He's called us to collaboration. Does God want you to all to have wonderful, beautiful, incredible marriages like, like I have with my wife? 
And the reason why I said that was not because I'm showing off. My wife rebuked me this way and said that I, I put myself down in front of you too much and said, you make yourself out to be like this really rotten, vulgar son of a gun to live with. And she says, you're like the most amazing man I could possibly marry, be married to. And I said, well, will you want to go up there on Sunday and tell them? And I just couldn't get her to break through that, so it's my responsibility to tell you. Uh, but I need to tell you what I do right. I do collaborate with God on marriage. On marriage. I am always asking God to fill me, talk to me, empower me. To, to, and so l- let me ask you, are you co-laboring or are you just waiting for God to fix your marriage? Because that ain't going to happen. Because that's not God's best. You know, he can do whatever he wants. God's, God's, if you want God to show off, and the way God wants to show off is to take somebody like, like you and me and then turn us, turn us into a mighty man, mighty woman of valor. Now that's showing off. That's what God wants to do. So are you collaborating with God? God is daring Gideon to stand up to be empowered and to be a part of the solution. Have you decided to collaborate? Can you say that with, with your parenting, with your marriage, the vision for your life? Is God with you? This is what Paul is talking about when he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's just collaborating with God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, as Stacy shared with us last week, he says, to each is given, to each of my children is given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good, the common outcome. The common outcome uh, in life, in marriage, in family, in community. God wants to have a positive outcome for all of this. But he wants us to collaborate. He wants us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In a couple of weeks, I'll begin to talk about what these gifts are. But as I'm skipping through some of my notes here, the part that I thought as, as I was thinking earlier was, was this. That it's not just enough to dutifully do the right thing. Because Gideon was. It's more than just faithfully doing the same things over and over again, and Gideon was. It's time to stand up and to yield your life to be empowered by God. It's, this is next level language. It's time to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Now, that just flows off of my tongue super easy. But while I was worshiping and praying, God showed me that it's, it doesn't flow just like that. See, if you're a dude here, and I can only talk to you because I, I know what it's like to be one, is that I can say, oh, yeah, I believe in God, okay? But then, and, and you can talk to other dudes about believing in God. And then you can take next level language. Uh, dude, I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose on the third day. Oh, okay, cool, cool, man, cool, cool. But then to take the next step, you know, I really love Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. You're all of a sudden into, it's like, okay, it starts to get a little, you know, at least it does for me. It's like, man, you're getting like really intimate, you know, it's so easy just to say I believe in God and leave it as that. Well, God's like, no, in the kind of, in the next level world of evil that we're living in, we need a next level world of empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And that means your language is going to have to take the next level. It's interesting, that's why they began to speak in tongues when some of them got the Holy Spirit. Meaning that we gotta change the way that we're talking about God and start talking like he's in the room. 
So it's one thing to say you believe in God, and that's cool. Demons do that too, and that doesn't seem to change their lives all that much. And then it's one thing to say you believe in the historical Jesus, and that's cool, but you know, there's a lot of uh, atheists out there that believe in a historical Jesus. It's like, okay, well, what's that? I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He's my Redeemer, the lover of my soul. It's like, oh, dude, you just crossed over. Well, I'm telling you, maybe you've been there, and now God wants to take that level next. And he says, now I want you to be filled, possessed, driven, directed, and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, that sounds a like I just left Baptist town, you know? That sounds a little more than just being Catholic or even a little bit more than just being saved. Yes, it is. You can stay in your house doing outdoor work indoors and be miserable for the rest of your life and die and go to heaven. But there will be no common good found in it. But if you want the common good to happen, it's time for us as a church, as believers, to take the next level, take the next step. Use next level language. It's like, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Paul said, am I out of time? Dang it, this is, such, this is so good. Um, Paul said in Ephesians 5, 18, do not get drunk with wine for it is, for this is debauchery. Or I love another version, the New American Standard said, this leads to dissipation. And that's, that's kind of like when the atomizing of, of, of a molecule, you know, or it's when an element begins, when things begin to get broken apart from their constituent parts. And all of a sudden, because we're, and, and that's what's happening in the church in America. People are just, we're dissolving in front of, under the pressure and the heat of our, our day. And Paul says, do not be drunk with wine because that leads to your, your morals and ethics sometimes begin to dissipate, then you're flirting with somebody. But he could have easily written it this way. It was not a treatise on, on alcohol. He could have written it this way. Do not be drunk with fear. Do not be drunk with hopelessness. Do not be drunk with envy. Do not be drunk on selfishness. He could have easily put, because all those things lead to dissipation, the breaking up of a, a biblical resolve. But he says, if you want to drink something, it's time to drink in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, well, that's, that's figurative language. Um, no, if it was figurative language, that would mean God's not in the room, but we can talk like we believe in him. This isn't figurative language. God, this is drinking in the Holy Spirit, meaning that God wants us to fill our cabinets, not with gin, and this is not anti-alcohol, but he wants us to begin to drink daily of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and ask God to go Holy Spirit. And I know some of you are sitting here, I can almost hear your hearts like, dude, this is like, you're going too far. Okay, that's okay. It's a proposition that God's making to every one of us. Whether you take it or not, Cool. If you're satisfied with life in your can, cool. Um, but it, it ain't going to do anybody else any good. It's like, see, I need strong language like this in order to, to, to challenge my fears, to change, challenge my apathy or, or my hopelessness in my life. Answer the call, the dare to collaborate with God. Listen to what Jesus said. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what, are homo sapiens? To those who believe in God? To those who are saved? 
To those who go cross town? No. To those who ask. You want it? You want a piece of this? I, I, would, I wish I could write the text in scripture and write that right there. You want a piece of this? You want a piece of victory? You want a piece of heaven on earth? You want a piece of, of routing the enemy in your life? Well, then you're going to have to ask God to give you the Holy Spirit more than you have it today, more than you had it yesterday. It's next level language. And maybe some of you don't want to go to the next level. Okay? You might want to let your kids know. You may want to let your spouse know that, hey, we're going to be in this can for the rest of our lives. When, God, when Abraham got in that place, when he was in his tent, his, tent, his can got really small. The angel of the Lord came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm, you're stuck indoors. Come on outside. I want to show you something. And he says, and the Lord takes him out and he says, see all those stars up there? He said, dude, that's you. That's your offspring. That's your blessing right there. He's like, you got stuck in your tent. You got stuck in your mask, your COVID, your, your quarantine, your racism or, or, or your depression or your hopelessness. You're letting your intestines determine your life. I know it sounds gross, but it's, it's exactly what happens. I've been there. What are you allowing to determine the outcome of your life? God wants to invite you back outside. It's like, you know, you can't even see your enemy more, anymore because you're inside. Isn't that crazy? You're hiding from your enemy. You can't even see. So your enemy might not even be there anymore. So as far as you're concerned, it's a phantom. He's like, come on out here. I want you to see that big, big guy right over there with you and me, with me with you. Oh, we're going to punch him right in the face. And um, how'd you like to do that? Well, you're gonna to have to come outside to do that. None of this is made up. I'm not taking anything beyond scripture. Gideon does exactly that. Now his knees are shaking and he's always saying, God, are you with me? And all throughout that story, he's like, God, are you still here, right? He's just like me. He, he chickens out, he goes and does a battle and then he runs back. And, and then God has to coax him back out again. Gideon, come on, I'm still with you. Are you can you do a miracle to kind of make sure? And God's like, all right, all right, dude. I'll, I'll help you out. I'll give you a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm, but just know, it's not just for you. It's for the common good. And then Gideon goes and fights his fight again. And, and we all live in that cycle. Where, where we lose is when we decide to stay indoors. And I really think God wants me to tell you that we've been talking about him like he's not in the room. And he's always been there. Just because you're in a forest doesn't mean you're connected to the trees. And so God wants to challenge you to next level language, to come out, to get back to the place that God called you to be in. And he knows you're weak, he knows you're scared, he may know that you're young. He may know that you're old. He, may, he knows exactly the condition of your marriage. But here's what trumps it all. I will be with you. Really? Yeah. We're going to go kick some butt together. The thing that scares you, it's time for us to defeat that.
and God's calling us to this place. So as you come and you receive communion in this moment of celebrating the Lord's Supper, we're all used to that kind of language, aren't we? When you write a prayer in Penance of the Cross, we're used to that kind of language. But could I dare, no, could God dare you to pray today and tomorrow and every day forward for the power, the baptism, the filling, the immersion of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you could go up against the things that scare you most? Father, I thank you so much. You're so good. We get locked in small spaces, scared to death, trying to self-improve, waiting for things to get better outside before we come out. And that's what homo sapiens do. But God, you've called us to become more. You've called us to become overcomers, kings and priests to our God. Light in the midst of darkness. We can't do that inside. That's a candle under a bushel. So Father, today we ask for your Holy Spirit. We take that next level language. And if you're here today and you thought you're in a good space with believing in God, I hope today that God has exposed that. It's like, oh, wow, I thought believing in God was it. No, it's not. This partnership through surrender to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who died for our sins. Now, if you're at that place and you thought that that was it, now me and I'm going to heaven and that's it. Oh, no, no. Jesus says, I go to the Father so that I can prepare a place for you. But then, once that work is done and he's already finished that work, he said, me and my Father want to come to you. I want to give you another spirit and he will lead you into all truth and he will empower you. Maybe you're, it's your turn to go that way. And maybe you're somebody who's like, well, I already prayed that prayer once. Well, now we gotta see, what is your gift? What common good are you achieving? What does, who is your Midianite? It's time for you to not dress up like a warrior, but to begin to live and fight like a warrior. Father, as we, we hear you dare us and challenge us out, of our small spaces. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us today with your presence. Breathe into our lives. Allow heaven to come on earth. Let me invite you into this moment with the Lord.